the dawn of sports broadcasting arose Monday Night Football. A beacon of sports television entertainment with an iconic, illustrious history. With memorable moments, exciting plays, and the game's greatest stars. Now, under the game's brightest lights, and because they had nothing else to do tonight, these two guys just talking football. Welcome to Monday Night Football with TC and Jake. Welcome in, folks. It's me, TC Fleming, here with Jake Kemp. We have a guest this week. A, uh, what, three, four time? This is my third time, I think. Third time. Michael Sertain. Vegas Mike to me, to no one else in his life but me. And I don't even know that I call that to you, but just, I know a lot of Mikes, you know, as as many people do. Yeah. Whenever trying to sort them out amongst my friends, I call you Vegas Mike. But that's uh, become difficult because I, as I said, have several Mikes. So I I know another guy named Michael in Las Vegas now. Yeah, yeah, you bet him once, my friend from uh, Excel. Yes. One that kind of looks like Shrek. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem like a compliment. <laughs> uh, he he's got to be the only a guy like to... Shrek, and and I hit him with it once in the last couple of years, and he's like, I really kind of grew out of that man, and he's right, but you know, it's locked in. <clears throat> That's similar. We had a buddy that uh, we called Sloth, <laughs> uh, and it fit, but at some point he was like, No. <laughs> Not only am I not doing that, I'm not going back to the first name you knew me from from high school. I'm going middle name. You like, said this is a fucking. This is a lot to take in here. Vegas yeah. Mike. That's got to be the only Mike known as Vegas Mike who doesn't like just gamble like nonstop. Yeah, that's a good point. Like if yeah. you have a friend named Vegas Mike, like he's been <laughs> in. It, he's been to meetings. Yeah. Yeah, he's Vegas Mike. He doesn't even. He doesn't even uh, go to Vegas. He just uh, has sex with a lot of prostitutes and gambles all the time and does a bunch of drugs mm-hmm. that's right vegas mike yeah in like boston <laughs> yeah 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 vegas mike in albuquerque is the saddest guy <laughs> that guy's got imagine. that guy's got a gambling problem vegas mike in <laughs> yeah. albuquerque you know he's got a yeah. problem <laughs> yeah no i uh you just uh you're in town right you just you figured you'd pick the shittiest couple days Bro. that dallas is gonna have all year so dan mcdowell invited me to go up to the ticket today and but it was it snowed out so i couldn't even go up there I haven't even been to the the the, the studio to, at Victory Plaza. You know, I worked at the ticket in 96 or 95. Yeah, Mockingbird, right? Yeah, I worked when it was on Mockingbird. And um, and I haven't been to the new one or the, the the last two. Actually, you had a place before that in between Mockingbird and Victory Plaza. But yeah, Ben, I was going to come up here and then with Snowmageddon all over again. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy outside. It's Indeed 31, it it's 29 degrees outside in the middle of the day. Yeah, no, uncommon for Dallas. Yeah, yeah. We don't even get the snow. Like that's the worst. I don't know if you've experienced this with Is TC, but my kid, because of the last time, not the time where our government let like five hundred people die, but the last time, like she thinks that when it gets like this, it's it's snowman time. Yeah, I'm like, yeah it's, it's time to it's, go outside. I'm like, yeah, I know that it looks like that on the ground, but like this shit just sucks. This just makes it hard for everyone, and there's no fun payoff at all. Yeah, it's a little fun. Hey, I do want to say this. Um, I don't know how you want to handle this, TC, if we do this uh, Patreon, although that feels kind of weird, but it will also feel kind of weird to do it uh, a week from now. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit at some point about Friday night. I assumed we were going to get a full debrief. Yeah, I'll be yeah, upset if we don't. But a week from now, it's like, ah, it's two weeks later. I don't I know. I think just do it on the Patreon. The only thing I was going to ask It's uh, not like Mike the people about, are being shortchanged. 
That's true. But I just, I don't know. I'm self-conscious about being like, hey, this thing I did two weeks ago. I don't know. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I wouldn't delay it. I would do it, you know, I, we can play it, but tomorrow or whatever. Or, or if you want to just tell Mike about, we'll no, just no, have no. him on so he could kind of like give a, a, an extra like, yeah, okay, the, 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 as the you're one telling thing, your story. No, but he has to do it like Jeezy though. Yeah, there you go. Yes, Wait, so right. you went to go see young Jeezy? Uh, in Atlanta with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. That was incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I see you know, Young Jeezy was my favorite rapper when I was uh, deployed overseas. I listened to Thug Motivation 101 when I was in uh, in uh, Abu Dhabi. That's the whole I, time. Think it, I think uh, TM 101 probably fueled a lot of war. You think so? Yeah. I was definitely <laughs> yeah, I mean, got a lot of bench press maxes listening to that whole thing. Yeah. So he played the whole album with yeah. the orchestra. I definitely would have um, gone to that. So my... Uh, my question was, I don't. I want to know how, if this is used in Vegas because we just got our photos from the event because uh, they didn't let you take phones inside. Um, it wasn't really cool to just be taking your phone and taking pictures like even in the area where you could have your phone. Was, yeah. They had photo booths and they had like a red carpet and uh, they had a photographer out there. And I asked the guy like, how can I get these photos? And he said, just scan this QR code and they'll be uploaded. Yeah. So the next day... I, I hit the QR code link and uh, I go to it and it asks me to upload a photo of myself. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Oh, that's to make sure it's sure you. Yeah. To no, make sure. No, not even that. To scan and find the photos I'm in with facial oh, wow. recognition yeah, technology. Is, I have never Ooh. seen that. Yeah, no, I saw this app called Take Me. Uh, so I just took like a picture of myself in the hotel room and uploaded it. And about an hour ago, they sent me and Mike Marshall. All of the photos that were in. Did they make any mistakes? Uh, there was at least one or two others that we took outside, uh, or excuse me, inside that we didn't get. But all the ones that we took uh, at the photo booth and the red carpet, and we had sunglasses on. That's the weird thing about it. That's crazy. In all those pictures, we have sunglasses on. They rejected my uploaded photo with sunglasses on, which I only did because those are the pictures I wanted. Um, but instead, they asked me to upload a photo with no sunglasses and sent me the ones with sunglasses back, which is just super, super creepy. Were they all photos where like you were the subject or was it a lot of like you and machine having a conversation in a corner while someone else had their photo taken? It's pretty much all just me and machine in the shot. Okay. Um, my, my phone does that where it tries to identify people when I take pictures of them. The problem is so many girls are going to the same plastic surgeon and getting the same nose <laughs> and the same lips and the same yeah. chin. I mean, it's not yeah. funny. It was like, like really when you realize that like, you know, beauty is objective and it's just like facial symmetry, you start getting the same. If you were to take all the Kardashians, put them on black and white photos, remove their hair from the photo and then put all their faces next to each other. I dare you to try to tell them apart. You would not be able to. It's, it's, no. it's really crazy. I mean, if a computer can't. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So I think, I think that's where we're going to get to is you're going to get a bunch of women. There's this one doctor in um, Istanbul where a bunch of my friends in Las Vegas go to, and they all come back with the same nose, the exact same nose. It's they bombers. fly to Istanbul for yes. a nose? So, so you have to th think about this. Like, so, you know, there's boob doctors in Colombia, right? At some point, the, so the most boob jobs ever done in the U.S. is a guy named Lenny Roudner who lives in uh, Strawberry Island or whatever, one of those, uh, Star Island in, uh, in Miami. Okay. And I've, I've been to his house before. And there's <laughs> right. there's there's going to be some doctor in Colombia who's doing boob jobs for cheaper who's eventually going to surpass him. You understand what I'm saying? The guy in Colombia is eventually going to get better than the guy in the U.S. because he's doing more boob jobs. 
It's cheaper. Because it's cheaper. So eventually there's going to be a, a, a rhinoplasty guy outside the U.S. who's doing them for 5K instead of 10K. And then eventually he's going to become the better doctor. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's thrown more. It's it's the it's the Division One quarterback at the small school, but he ends up throwing for six hundred yards and seven touchdowns a game. And he ends up becoming a good pro. There's anything that like uh, could mitigate, like you know, if he's working with like uh, worse equipment. No, no. Than so his so experience this is the, no, being overcome. Great question. So Doctor uh, Chris <laughs> Corsandi, who lives in Vegas, he he goes to and he hosts a bunch of plastic surgery clinics. And it's the same guys in Colombia who are go they're all going to the same clinics. It's just okay. he lives in Colombia. And so because of his citizenship, he has to work in a place where he makes less money, but he's exactly as skilled. You see what I'm saying? And they buy the same implants from Mentor and Dow Corning or Dow Chemical that everybody else does. So it, it's like it's 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 crazy. You get to a point where it's like those those knockoff boob jobs and BBLs actually get better when you leave the country. That eventually is going to happen. Just like, there's a, there's like manufacturing in the U.S. We used to manufacture things in this country. Other places used to manufacture things cheaper, but they were worse. Well, eventually they got better, and now we make our iPhones in China. Is there anyone in your circle that's just like a really pretty lady and, you know, plastic surgery is just not for her? Yes, the one right here. She has nothing. <laughs> Seriously. My girlfriend, Kylie, she, she's got – I keep making fun of her about her nose job, and she's like, this is my nose. <laughs> it's actually my nose. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, obviously, I, I don't think I have like a sharp eye for that kind of thing. I, I'm, I would, I would defer to you. Yeah, no, I know, I know plenty that don't have anything done. But okay. it is, I mean, we are getting it's to, nice. we're getting to a really weird place where, you know, we have men taking steroids and TRT and women getting plastic surgery. So from like the genetic code that would normally would have been passed on, the men with the high TR, high testosterone, and the women with like the the facial symmetry, those genes are not getting passed on anymore. Like all the genes are. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I think at the point at which we like had this somewhat advanced human society, a lot of that like gene getting passed a, a on lot stuff of falls but, apart. But I don't, I don't think it was that long ago. I think it was like after antibiotics from that point forward. So, to some extent, but like also to some extent, like at the point, like uh, people will point to civil, the first signs of civilization is not like a cave painting. It's a healed bone. Oh, in, sure. In the, you know, in, in nature, if you got a healed bone, you're just fucking dead. But like, uh, if, if you are like helping someone to heal their bones, then like that's genes that should have probably just fucking, who knows what kind of super strong bones we could have if we just let those fuckers die. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about natural selection here. There you go. Nice or job. unnatural. You know what's funny is whenever I, whenever you guys do episodes about people and then later on I meet those people. I always, I always message TC. I went to a party the other day with OJ Simpson. You know, obviously I, I go play paintball at Dan Blazarian's house. Uh, Andrew Tate has messaged me several times on WhatsApp. He's left me voice memos before. Uh, and, and you he guys was going to come it. on your show, but I've, I've felt really, I, I feel like that's uh, pretty far from happening right now. Yeah. It's pretty far from happening right now for sure. His yeah, freedom of movement is restricted, although he is tweeting a ton. I don't think it's him. No, no, he's sending stuff to his lawyer and his lawyers, like sending to the people who's tweeting. It, it doesn't have any of his spunk and verb. I don't think that he's yeah. involved in the chain. Could be, yeah. It's one of one. Yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> I know when it's him talking. It's not him yeah. talking. You, right you guys now. knew about him before I did. You you actually had because that's the picture of Andrew Tate on the thing with Alex Jones when they were having dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was before anyone knew who he was. All uh, all praise that. be to Matt Brunig, who yeah. I think uh, credits Weed Mubarak with all of it. Yeah, that I had no idea. internet. Yeah, someone's got to hear about him from someone, and the uh, someone prime I do believe is Weed Mubarak.
Are yeah. you a big Weed Mubarak? I don't. Guy? Know, I don't know who Weed Mubarak is. <laughs> I've never Twitter tried weed. Account. No, it's it's not actually. I don't know. It's all internet humor that's difficult to explain. But yeah. it's it's a parody of uh, Andrew Tate like things. If you send uh, Weed Mubarak your courses, maybe he'll parody you too. Uh, I would like that. that. I'm getting parody a lot now. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting parodied a lot. Yeah. So uh, I, I I don't know I I don't I didn't have any like interview questions prepared. We can have a free flowing conversation. I don't know what topics Jake wants to hit, but I have generally interested. Whenever I met you and I would ask you like, what do you do? You said something that I don't understand about options trading. And now whenever I think you meet people, then you say something that they don't understand about uh, like uh, life coaching courses. Sure, yeah. Uh, and I'm just interested in that evolution, you know, because it seems like it's kicking ass. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, and so like were, were you doing some of that whenever we met and it just yes. kind of mutated over time? Okay. Yeah. So I've been coaching since 2008 mm-hmm. in some capacity or another, like, but it would be either like a dating coach seminar or some kind of like networking seminar or something like that. The options trading, I still do it. And there's, there is some options trading in the course I teach, but I have a course called Men of Action. And it basically, it looks at the world through evolutionary psychology. So like uh, Dr. David Buss, Dr. Gadsad, uh, Steven Pinker, um, Leah Cosmides, um, Satoshi Kanazawa, these are all evolutionary psychologists. And it, it looks at networking from like an evolutionary adaptation. How do we use networking to get a better job? How do we use networking to date a, the girl of our dreams? How do we use networking to find mentors? Things like that. How do we use networking to get access to certain things? So I teach people how to do that in my course. But yeah, the options, pillar five is this, the finance part where we go over the stock options. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, some, it's, it, it, we got, we did, we got it, some pillars. We did. Uh, bar, bar, borrowed from the Muslims a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 they also got pillars. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, no, man, yes. we, we, we started doing 100K a month and then 200K a month. Now we're doing around 300K a month from the from the. Uh, Just people the paying you to tell teach me, Michael. Well, I mean, we, when we like after I get off of here, I'm going to do a call uh, for three hours and there's usually a couple hundred guys on the call. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yep. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So I talk about you guys sometimes. Definitely, I do. Uh, I talk about the ticket uh, occasionally. Sometimes. We will help them achieve their dreams. You will? If they understand yeah, our for system. Sure. No, yeah. I, I have clients that want to become podcasters, and I always point to you guys. Because uh, nice. I started podcasting in part because of you because of you two. So yeah, yeah, no, you should get them to pay me somehow. I will do. I will. We're gonna figure that out. I, I love how every single person that tells us I started podcasting uh, because of you guys is wildly more successful <laughs> than we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, we're a nice base, but from there, yeah, you know, just lap us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just it's funny. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. I saw Stormy Daniels the other day. I totally forgot she was at ABN. And I was so sad that you guys weren't there with me. Uh, one of these days. Yeah, one of these days. Yeah, yeah. You know, it felt like the life trajectory was heading towards there. It feels like we've gotten further away, but that's just a lesson to me that it's all a roller coaster and we'll be up again eventually. Do you know? Do you know who watches my my podcast? That shocked me. So that's the that's the craziest part. Is I'm sure this has happened for you guys where somebody will tell you that they they listen to IJB and you had no idea. So BJ Baldwin, the guy who, uh, Bobby Baldwin's son, the one who, I don't know if you heard about, he's like a eight time motocross champion. He's, he ended up shooting that dude at the in and out burger. I don't know if you ever heard that story. Uh, but then like, uh, Jay Cutler, who's the, you know, world champion, uh, bodybuilder. Yeah. The loser one. Yeah. <laughs> he's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> well, just all the Jay Cutler certainly. Oh, between the two, Jay Cutler. Got it. And then, uh, and then Karen Lee, started writing me on instagram the porn star from brazzers nice and i went and I, I, <laughs> the dude yes the guy oh <laughs> yeah hell yeah so i hosted a party Big ups. i hosted a party <laughs> uh during avn i was doing the red carpet 
And I thought that it was fake. Like I thought it wasn't either it wasn't the real Karen Lee messaging yeah, me yeah, yeah. or it was a bot or his assistant. Yeah. And he walks right up to the carpet and he goes, Michael Sartain. I was like, no shut. Way. I looked at him, I go, shut <laughs> the fuck up, dude. There is no way Karen Lee knows who I am. He's I like, spent yeah, like I a love- quarter of my life watching your dick, sir. He goes, <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, it's an honor. <laughs> he just comes up and he starts talking. So we do an interview, but I, but he we both pretend like we don't know who he is or like that he has nothing. He's like, yeah, I'm here for CES. I'm a tech guy. I'm just here for. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for CES. It was really you know, funny. He's, he's a good actor. That's that, that's what that's the exactly right. Is. That's that's what his wife. Tells I believe us. he's a doctor. Yes. I, I I believe he's a landlord. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, dude, how did you watch my podcast? He's like, yeah, man, I love your shows. I was like, that is crazy to me. That oh, is just mind blowing. Yeah, that happens. He's, uh, he's got to be in Vegas all the time. Uh, he is sometimes. He's he's there. Uh, you a need to further network. Yeah, for sure. But no, he's he's still he lives in um lives near Manchester. I think that's what he told me. Oh, for in, real? In England? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shit. he lives there. Uh, yeah. No. So I don't know. I don't want to like uh pull back the curtain on anything, but I I have always been uh fascinated and impressed by your uh your your perpetual uh, roommate bit. Oh, you have a different roommate all the time? Well, just isn't it usually a dude that's like yeah. to some degree you're like showing him the ropes? Yeah. And I've like is is that just I I I can't figure that it's uh he just pays normal rent. Like it's probably rent plus, right? Yeah, and it then, is. and it then is. you're like you can watch the life up close. Learn no. from me. <laughs> 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 it's like a doji it's like a dojo yes dude he's he's the sensei he has his padawan with him. wow it sounds it sounds so much weirder when you guys say it um so yeah i do so so uh it was a guy do you guys know coffeezilla is right on youtube have you ever heard of him i don't he, like, think i have heard he of like exposes people he exposes like uh jake paul or logan paul with his nft stuff or lana Rhodes okay. or whatever anyway there's another guy not quite as popular but he lives in vegas named spencer cornelia and spencer he not only does he make youtube videos he also is in real estate and he does this thing called house hacking where he'll get a five bedroom house he'll live in there and the total rent of the four other people that live there equals more than the mortgage does that make sense that's great yeah, yeah so that's what he does that's I, what you're trying it's, to it's, do well it's similar except that what i what i like is like when these guys come and move in with me for a month they're just so devoted to like trying to learn new stuff it's each that, of them is a month yeah, each of them a month. I know now, it's always a new guy whenever I'm there, but yeah. like I, I only visit once a year or yeah. whatever. Well, the, cur- the current guy, he's a major in the U.S. Marine Corps. He is he's the, he's with me for three months. He's okay. a, he's a fighter pilot. So you are there, often uh, running in military members. Yeah, I would say I'd say the two most overrepresented groups in my program are medical doctors and pilots. Yeah, those are those are the two most common. You ones. could just see it, like the medical. They're like, I'm a doctor. I was told that the puss would just flow the second <laughs> I got my degree. <laughs> it's, it's not. It, they still think I'm a dork. What do I do, Mike? Yeah. Little, little it's really funny that you say that because that's exactly right. Actually, that's pretty similar. <laughs> that's pretty much exactly what it's like. Yeah. I mean, but by the way, it's not a dating course. I just. But the thing is, I do use a lot of that in order to sell my product. Um, you know, me at parties and stuff like that. But the course is a leadership course. They did like, it has more to do with, you have to read all of Jocko Willick's books. You have to read all of David Goggins' books, uh, all those books like that. Uh, Robert O'Neill's book, The Operator. Have you ever read that about killing Osama bin Laden? I'm just going to, I haven't read any of these. Oh, okay. Uh, at no point, I know, I you don't least, have to ask me. <laughs> I at least, I've at least uh, heard of The Operator. I'm familiar yeah, with that. Re- I think I've really seen good. him interviewed before. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think you'd like it. It's a really funny book. Uh, there's some really funny parts. And then the end, he kills Osama bin Laden. But it's, uh, it's pretty good. And then, um, you know, the other part is, 
you know, with Bulzarian, um, he and I are friends. And so we talk a lot and a lot of the clients want to know what his lifestyle is like. And I just, I warn them, I'm like, you're not going to live a lifestyle like he does, but there's some things that he talks about in his book that are really interesting. He, he quotes BF Skinner in his book. He's, you know, he's a really smart guy. He has a lot of very intellectual ideas in the book, but everyone who reads the book, whenever they first pick it up, they're like, oh, this is just going to be about, you know, vagina and money and, and drugs and all this kind of stuff. And to some extent, there is a lot of that in there, but it's, um, it's just really well written. And it's actually Neil Strauss who did the first, uh, draft of that book. The guy who wrote the game. Sure. Yeah. He, he wrote the first draft of, of the setup by Dan Bilzerian. This is one of, it's a terrific book. There's another book I, re I recommend. Yeah, he's a, your conversation with him. Uh, just the stuff where he was talking, like I, you know, I didn't know anything about like his, his dad was sent to jail, right? Yeah. So is that, so Gordon Gecko, the, the, from wall street is in part, it, it's a, an amalgamation of several different pump and dump traders in the 1980s. And one of them <laughs> one was, of was one dad. of them was Paul Bilzerian. It was Peter, was Dan Bilzerian's father. Yeah. That definitely happened. Damn, his father has expatriated to St. Kitts, and then he, but he's also an executive at Ignite, which is Dan's company, which is based out of Canada, which is oh, it's on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you look at any, anyone who leads any kind of like outsized, distinctive life, you have to assume that there was just some for like, I don't know, all of us are yeah. uh, shaped by our childhoods. And for so sure. whenever someone leads uh, an extraordinary life, then something extraordinary must have happened in that childhood, I usually assume. And, uh, you know, whenever, whenever you like start off and within the first five minutes of your podcast, he's like, yeah, so whenever I saw the cops taking my dad away, I'm like... I feel like that's <laughs> significant. It's interesting. Um, so the things I do know, because I've had, I have conversations with about people. People ask me about this all the time. Oh, I don't know. He says that his father did not leave him more than I believe it was less than a million dollars in a trust fund that that did not cash out until he was thirty five, and he had already owned a plane at that point. The two things I know absolutely unequivocally for a fact is that he won forty four million dollars from Alec Gores, which is the SPAC king. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I don't you know, know what SPAC like, is. SPAC, so SPAC is like if I have a publicly traded company and I and you buy my publicly traded company, you adopt my public uh, my my FTC rating. Does that make sense? Okay. Like you're now publicly traded because you bought my SPAC or you bought yeah, into yeah, my SPAC. Yeah. So does that make sense? So instead of you going through all the 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 trouble of being investigated by the SEC or, or being vetted as a, as a CEO, you could just buy into my SPAC and now you're already publicly traded. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this guy was a, a SPAC king named Alec Gores. He won 44 million. I saw the text messages. Alec Gores wrote him back, said, let's let's play heads up for a million dollars in in Vegas. And then poker, I also- Poker, right? In poker. And I've yeah. also seen the wire transfers where Sam Majid was a guy who had a terminal illness and was playing for like a million dollars a night against him and lost, I want to say $11 million to Dan. So those, I know Dan has won at least 54 million in poker. That doesn't mean he didn't have a lot of money to start with. I can't say that for sure, but I do know he, that part he's telling the truth. Dan is saying, I'm not good at poker. What I'm good at is getting to play poker with really bad players who think they're good. Yeah. Does no, that that, what, yeah. Whatever, whatever I <laughs> say that I'm like, that adds up. Like that's a good strategy. I should have thought of that. Wait, so, but but <laughs> you, you go, you go to Dan's house and there's just a, there's a girls and there's music and it's a party and there's celebrities there and all this kind of, he sets up this vibe where like you almost don't mind losing money to him. 
Does that make sense? And just if you if you if you're just a little smarter than like the arrogant guy who yes. like thinks he's way smarter than he is, correct? And he's got a lot of money and he's risking it in this thing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that that's not complicated math to getting rich. Imagine if we could go to the YMCA and we could play like little kids for in basketball. Yeah, but, but, but like but, they felt. But, <laughs> but 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 not only were we playing little kids for basketball, we're playing for like fifty grand a hand, and the little kids thought that they could beat our ass. That's what it's like for Dan. He just finds the little kids to play poker. It's it sounds fun. I'd like to do no. that. Now, here's where it gets even crazier is what happens in Macau. They start banning white people from, from gambling there because there was a bunch of white poker sharks that would go to Macau. DC. You know what we got to do? What we got to do to survive. We stand by it. Yeah. Right. So he starts staking Asian poker players to go to Macau, and they start paying him 20 30 50%. He stakes them there, and then that's what he starts. He stops playing poker, and he starts staking other poker players. He Another one was he gave Jay Farber – he bought in for Jay Farber for 10K and Jay Farber paid him back a mil because Jay Farber won 5 million at the World Series of Poker. So stuff like that, that's what he started doing after he was playing poker. So again, I'm not, I'm not, I, I believe him, you know, I take him at his word. He's a friend of mine, but there's a possibility his dad did give him some money, but there is no possibility he didn't win money playing poker is what I'm and saying. And if his dad did give him money, he probably wouldn't say it publicly. I would assume that money is that, being wanted of by course, some that's, government that's, that's, somewhere. That's my other point is like if Dan, <laughs> yeah. if, let's just say Dan wanted to tell the truth about it and his dad did give him money, like, yes, it's not, it's not favorable for his father who's. You know, already the been The IRS would love to have some more details on that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure, yeah. But all the wire transfers are in the book. He, he, he's, he like, photographs of every wire transfer. He puts them in the book. Yeah. So it's really interesting. But, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been doing, and it's worked out pretty well, and I don't really have to do the trading anymore. I still work for a small financial firm as a, um, a quantitative analyst, but I don't. Uh, it's not as much of my day as it used to be. And I, I was never under the impression it was a huge like uh yeah uh, you know just just whatever we whenever like uh we were hanging out regularly and I'm kind of like uh you know sussing out the schedule I'm, I'm not seeing where the uh, eight hour workday fits in <laughs> yeah it wasn't an eight hour workday yeah <laughs> yeah the uh, wake up at one p.m. You yes know, the math just doesn't work after yes, that that it doesn't but that's Vegas time that's definitely Vegas time. <laughs> Do the people at the firm know about the other parts of your Very life? Very much so. Uh, this is one of the things I talk about in my program. It's like the there is a, a double standard when it comes to men and women. If men go out there and do several different jobs and they're seen with a bunch of different girls, it doesn't hurt their status. But for women, it does. So like it, that's one of the things we talk about in the program. It's like uh, like my boss – actually likes the fact that I host bikini competitions. He has no, the boss of the hedge fund. He has no problem with it whatsoever. But I could see like a, a secondary judge, like if my, the, so I had two female squadron commanders when I flew for the Air Force. And the, and if they had done something like what I was doing, they would be judged harshly. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I absolutely believe like there's a double standard when it comes to that. And I bring that up all the time. You know, I also tell that to guys is like, this is one of the reasons why you can never brag about who you have sex with. Because if, if somebody finds out that someone, some male person at the ticket has sex with some girl, it generally doesn't hurt their reputation, but for women it does. So that's one of the reasons why dudes should keep their mouth shut. That's why I tell guys. Yeah, no, I've always appreciated like, uh, you know, the, your your space is overrepresented by people who are like the key to uh, doing well with women is to have no respect for them. And yeah. I feel like you go the opposite way of like, you know, no, like, you know, I they're great. If you if you are like appreciating them genuinely as people, it's going to be good for you. They're like it's so. So one of the things you watch Joe Rogan, he never has influencers on. Right. He never has female influencers 
And like the general uh, belief about those women is like when Corby makes fun of them, you know, when he's like, he does his impersonation of uh, Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Like that's the general imperson- like belief of how they are. But when you, when I interview a lot of them, there's, there's a crazy story in, when they were gra- growing up or there was some abuse or there was some, some kind of, like when you get down to that story, to me, it's very fascinating. It's very interesting. And as an interviewer, you know, I'm on episode 75 of my podcast right now. We, my interviews, I, I, I find sometimes I have very boring people. Sometimes they're like a playmate who all, all she does is go on OnlyFans and walk her dog. She doesn't do anything else. But I, there's a story that she isn't telling that I, I can try to get out of her that's really interesting. And so because of that, like I, I find some of the most fascinating stories from women who other people would find to be vapid. I just I I think it's fascinating. Yeah, the uh, the fitness influencer that you had on that was also a Westboro Baptist Church. Yes, survivor of course. Was How a crazy! Pretty wild one. How incredible! Incredible was that? Like the, <laughs> again, the girl is a fitness influencer, and she was in the Westboro Baptist Church. You know, the God hates f word, the, the word for gay people. She's holding up that sign. Yeah, the one Jake uses. Yeah, <laughs> she's Shut she's up. holding up that sign. <laughs> or the other girl who was a fitness influencer who used to dance for the Nets who was saying. Why wouldn't you want to let someone else fuck your wife? Do you remember that? And you play that <laughs> yeah, in the intro? Yeah, yeah, Like, again, again, I have to fish those things out. And when I do, <laughs> it's I think it's interesting. You yeah. know what I mean, it's other people think it's interesting, too. There's no uninteresting people. If I do an interview and the interview is not interesting, it is my fault. It is no one's fault but mine. Yeah. There's no uninteresting people. Every single person I can pull I out believe that. some crazy. Because even if you're boring, you're boring because of some trauma. Even yeah. if, like, no matter what it is, there is some way for me as an interviewer to find out because we all we all are, you know, victim or subject to evolutionary psychology, and we are all like subject to the influences that happened in our lives and our genetics. So those things we can find a commonality just from asking those kind of questions. That was, so that's what's helped me a lot. But but like for some people, like to me, the most fascinating interviews I've done are the ones that get the fewest views. So like the the one with Cole Gordon, no views. The, the guy makes a million a month. He makes 30 million a year doing sales and he teaches people how to do sales training and nobody wants to listen to it. This is one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever done though. Like stuff no like one that. wants to do sales. Exactly. That's my point. But it sounds boring. It is. It is. It's really interesting when when you get into this space on YouTube, it's not so much on, on podcasts. On podcasts, you can do a very meticulous podcast with a lot of research and you'll get a ton of views or a ton of, of downloads on YouTube. It's quite the opposite. It's clickbait. It's your, it's your cover photo. It's uh so-and-so was exposed or huge debate or so-and-so destroys so-and-so that always has to be the <laughs> title. And that's the only way it works. I did a debate last night uh, with some Christian uh, uh, red, red pill guys on a po- purple pill podcast. Tight. I did four hours with Ruslan. Ruslan's huge, huge Christian uh, red pill dude. And we had a debate and I just went over some of the science of like what I believed. And I just stuck to science the whole time. What well, goes for four hours and people are just like throwing haymakers in the chat and like talking shit. And it was, it's just one of these really crazy things where like these guys, you remember ultimate warrior and Hulk Hogan, right? When we were growing up, like little kids, mm-hmm. the, we used to think that those guys hated each other off camera, but they didn't. They were like best friends. They're buying steroids from the same guy, you know, probably, <laughs> probably, probably swapping wives with each other. But we believe that they hated each other. And that's what it's like on YouTube. These guys, like the, if you believe for a second that KSI and Logan Paul hated each other or the, or the idea that Colin McGregor, uh, uh, Conor McGregor and uh, Mayweather hated each other, they didn't hate each other. You just, they're just doing this to get views and clicks and people fall for it. It's just one of these really interesting components uh, that I learned just getting in the YouTube space. Yeah, I don't know. Also, it's good to fall for it. Like, I don't know. You it's know, interesting. Like, it makes your life more interesting. Buy into the lies people are well, telling what, you. No, it's what's, good. What's, what's crazy are the people trying to pick beefs with me. 
like all these people come at me every time, but it's usually flat earthers or somebody like, cause you know, I did that flat earth, today. <laughs> flat earthers, flat You're earthers, fighting with the flat earthers they follow, the dude, they follow me like a virus, bro. Like I'll do an interview with other people and there's always this comment in there like, yeah, Michael, great interview. But what about the Van Allen belt? The Van, what the fuck are we, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what? He goes, yo man, how come the flag stayed still? Bitch. Cause it's made out of aluminum. That's what are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's just, they, they follow me from podcast to podcast. Um, but yeah, stuff like it's crazy. There's this one guy in uh, Dubai who makes these videos just explaining how I manipulate my clients. So you know what I do? I play it for my clients. I, we, I get a, when we, he, he made a second video uh, a couple of days ago, so I'm going to play it for my clients. Every time there's a critical video of me that comes out, the first thing I do when we host a, a group call is we, we go through the video together, all of us. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's just he's just full of good moves like this, Jake. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no. I mean, I I kind of want to give you my money. <laughs> Not you guys. You guys have to give me give me the money. I'll give you I'll give it all to you for free. Do you ever do any of these in person? Yeah. So for uh, every two months, we have what's called Vegas immersion, where guys come and stay in Vegas from Wednesday to Saturday and I, Thursday. Oh, so. Saturday night is my night. So I, I take him to play basketball. All the guys have to play basketball with me on Thursday. <laughs> that's what, that's what all this Fuck is, yeah. by the yeah. way. It's, the whole fucking thing <laughs> is just pick, Mike wants pick a good partners. You, but dude, <laughs> yeah. you remember when you came to, you remember when I, you came to Vegas and I tried to get you to hoop with us or we, we throw footballs in the, yeah. in the racquetball court or whatever. Uh, and then on Thursday night, that's my night to coach. But there's, there's three other coaches and they'll come out and then Sunday daytime, I think we do like one big, you know, blowout where we just do, we have a bunch of people come and do speeches about stuff. I try to always keep the word dating out of my program because that space is full of extremely toxic, misogynistic people. And I don't want to be associated with them. Uh, so I, I try to make it about status. I try to make it about like, what is it that I can do to help get a raise of my job, get a better job, network with other people, grow my social media account and be attractive to a bunch of women. But what you do with that is up to you. I do, what I don't want to do is become like a pickup course or like one of these red pill, you know, dating courses or something like that. I try to stay away from that as much as I can. Yeah. And I, I, I have a sense and I don't know, all this is like, if you don't want to talk about it, don't worry about it. But sure. I, I have a sense that, like, uh, at some point in the evolution, like, you you were kind of, like, uh, doing this with other people at a certain point, and they ended up sucking, right? That's exactly Is there right. an yeah, interesting no, story there? So, so, so there's several. So I won't say their names, but there were four people. There was an event company I worked for that had two people working for it. One of them, I started working for the company, uh, like, I want to say three months in, one of the guys who I had very little contact with, he goes to jail. Mm -hmm. And he goes to jail for about two years. He gets out and the two guys I was working for, they immediately start another company together. And I explained to them like, Hey man, I'm a retired military officer. I'm not going to work with a convicted felon. No offense, but I'm going to go off and do my own thing. So they hire a woman to plant drugs on me inside of <laughs> oh, she, it doesn't happen by the way the girl comes Fuck. the girl comes to me and tells me the story she's like hey i just want to let you know so and so actually offered me money to plant drugs in you i was like oh thanks for telling me blah, blah, blah. so nothing happened but like they they did and then i get assaulted by one of them in a nightclub it ends up in the news actually uh, but they they blur out my face and then i i don't even try to defend myself so i get a protection order against the guy and he gets he gets banned from all the different nightclubs and i ended up working at all mgm properties those guys, and then there was a second company, there was a, a pickup company that I, I knew the, the GM or I knew the owner because he was dating one of my close friends. 
And so he and I would hang out on a regular basis. I watched those two companies rob from people, not pay their employees, not pay their taxes. And I built yeah, my, like my sense. Of, I, I think the way I got a whiff of this was I, at one point I was hanging out and you were comparing notes with the other guys about like, they haven't paid me in this long. Yeah, correct. <laughs> like they everyone exactly. in the circle is like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> so, so, so for those of you out there listening, if you have some kind of employer or someone you're working with, a contract or whatever, and they're like, hey, whatever you do, don't talk to this person. Whenever you hear, don't talk to this person, you're the one being scammed. And so that, yeah. that's the thing. Like I never tell any of my clients or any of my employees, don't talk to this person. Even the guys that were scamming me, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you what happened to me. You go do whatever you want with that person. I'm not going to hold it against you, but you're going to learn. You're, you hanging out with him, the money you're going to lose to him, that's your tuition to learn this lesson on your own, right? And so what, I, what we do when we have our team meetings now, our company is not based on like success stories. Our company is based on what did these companies do to fucking go bankrupt? What did these companies do to screw up? One of the, my favorite examples, you know who Lee Iacocca is? He ran Chrysler. Of course. Can, yeah. So no. Lee Iacocca, when, <laughs> when, he first, when he first gets to Chrysler, what he does, he only focuses on one thing of like having zero deaths on the assembly line. You ever hear the story? No. He spends like several, like a couple years, all he's focused on this one thing was zero deaths, zero deaths, zero deaths. And he gets to the point where they have like anyone on the assembly line can push a button and it stops the assembly line. There were zero deaths, zero injuries on the assembly line. And what happened was because he did that, the union who was not willing to negotiate with him in good faith had to because he genuinely showed, he's like, hey, no matter what you say, I've caused zero injuries to any of your employees over this course of time. So I decided, can we do that with my company? So in my company, we have two rules. Number one, absolutely no one touches commissions. This is a big problem. If you have a commission-based company, sometimes people who own the company, they keep the commissions for themselves. They forget to pay you or they pay you six months down the line. If anyone touches commissions, they're immediately fired. And number two, absolutely everyone gets paid on time. Those are the only, like, those aren't my, those aren't rules in my company. Those are the only two rules in the company. The finance guys get fired if that doesn't happen. And so because we did that, now a bunch of people want to come work for me because I'm the one who pays on time. I don't even have to do anything extra. I don't even have to pay yeah, extra. That's a pretty easy bar to clear, I, just, I think. I just pay on time. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And so in the self-help community or dealing with this, because these guys make a lot of, my, my sales guys make 150 minimum each. And like, they're, they're like a year and they're like, well, if, if you just pay on time compared to other sales jobs I'm going to get, I'm obviously going to stay with you. And that's what I've, that's what I've been able to do is create a culture uh, in the U S air force. It was integrity first service before self and excellence and all we do. So that's what our core culture is in my company It's like, we just, as long as we do exactly what we say we do, I don't, I'm not going to make any moral judgments about your life. And we've been doing that for, you know, two and a half years now. And that's the reason we've grown to, you know, hopefully we're going to do 5 million a, a this year in revenue. But and then maybe the, Big ups. the projections eight million next year, but we'll see. But yeah, that's that's a, that's essentially what we do. And there's no fourth wall in the company. If something happens to me personally, I had to put one of my animals down that I rescued a couple uh, weeks ago, and I tell the whole every one of my clients about it. I was like, listen, I got to put Sheba down. Everyone knew who Sheba was because she sits on my lap sometimes oh, fuck yeah. during the I calls. Knew Sheba is. And so yeah, you knew who Sheba was, and so that was Sorry one of the situations. Yes, yeah, it was a congenital kidney failure. Um, and so stuff like that, there's How no, how many cats wall. you rocking with right now? Three. I got three. So I, I adopted a reasonable one number compared to some other, yeah. what, what's, what's your max? I've, no, I've never had more than three, but, okay. but the one I just adopted is the 10th one I've adopted. I work in animal rescue. So the, the, my friend Kaylin, she has 13 and then my friend, <laughs> that's a my lot friend of cats. Kayla had nine and now she has eight. One of them passed away. So that's, I mean, we just, we, we work in animal rescue. So I, this is my 10th cat, but she's, the, I only have three right now. 
Man, they're just—I don't know about cats, but I've—I've I've been in—I've like uh, watched a bunch of dogs one time. And yeah, there's a point at which it ceases to be your environment and becomes them. Their, their environment. Yeah, it's—I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, well, cats aren't pack animals, so that yeah, makes yeah. it a little different. They all pick their own little spot in the house, and they just kind of hide there. You know, that's nice. That's better. They can feed themselves, clean themselves. Yeah, no, can, those dogs—they were—they're there to fuck me up quietly yeah. you know like like they they were confident they didn't need to show their force yet but yeah. if, if i was gonna challenge them that wasn't gonna be a problem for them yeah yeah no, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was a dicey situation that is uh, a lot of girls who are like sugar babies in vegas that's their job that they list up to the irs their dog, dog walker their dog walkers yes <laughs> yeah i'm not even kidding they're dog walkers that's what they say that they do for a living that's how they report their income. smart they're big ass dogs dude Don't it's worry hilarious about it. it's hilarious <laughs> What are, what are the other tricks of the trade? I, I just always, anytime I'm hanging out, I love here, like, I don't know, just even like, uh, this is a small example, but just learning the terminology of uh, dates. Like the, that you, you were with some friends and hanging out. You were like, what's this girl doing? And they were like, oh, she's doing dates right now. Doing dates? Oh. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, is uh, paid sex with men. Dude, like it's, <laughs> it's no, it was, it was like one of these situations where there's some girls out there that are, just leg- so here's the here's the thing a lot of guys go to vegas and think that every girl there is just a prostitute and it's not that it's not the case when you make 240 a year as a cocktail server those girls are not prostitutes yeah. and the girls who do only fans so i have two friends on only fans right now who are making 300 grand a year and one of them isn't even showing nudity and so those girls are not prostitutes but the girls who are prostitutes are prostitutes man i'm pray- i'm paying i'm praying for those customers you are i just i i i I no, think the OnlyFans customers. They need to get a hold of their lives. I agree. I do you I'm the first. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I think it's insanity. I deal I deal with the, the so this is also my program. I deal with the way the world Alex is. Alex Bannister could only bilk me for one month. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's funny. I, I deal with the way the world the I deal with the world the way that it is. And a lot of like highly moralistic people don't like what I teach because I deal with the world the way that it is and not the way that it should be. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the, a lot of times that's problematic for people. So one way, the way the world should be is everyone should put down their phone, stop looking at their phone the whole time, live in the present moment, spend more time with their family. That's how the way the world should be. Now, if I want to make $10 million, I don't deal with the way the world it should be. I, I deal with the way the world is. And I'm like, no, I'm going to post crazy things that they see on their phone. And then that's going to get them to go into my clip funnel. They're going to go down my funnel. They're going to opt in. They're going to set up a sales call. And then I'm going to hit these. These uh, my, my sales team is going to understand how to do sales as far as like persuasion, way of the wolf, that kind of stuff. And that's how you make money is by dealing with the world the way the world is instead of the way the world should be. It's all about the funnels, Jake. Dude, the funnels are incredible. I like it. I, I'll tell you, of the things that I've learned in the last three years that have probably helped me the most – Number one, sales funnels, team is the hardest. Funnels, funnels, no, it, well, <laughs> funnels. Is, funnels is too because you can make a, you can copy a funnel. Do you understand yeah. that? Yeah. So yeah. The, the reason why funnels is not one is because I can give you a funnel and it's not expensive. You can copy. You can what's called funnel hack. We'll have guys that'll go through and they'll set up a call with one of my sales guys, and it's very clear because from the questions that they're asking, these guys just work for a different sales team. And yeah. They're trying to see why we're doing so well. Yeah. Funnels are easy to hack. Sales guys, though, sales guys are like quarterbacks in the NFL. Like when 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 Kirk Cousins gets that deal that's fully guaranteed, 
You remember at first we were like, this is insane. Why would you do this? But now we look at the deal and it's not that big of, it's not that horrible of a deal anymore mm-hmm. after a couple of years. And then when you see how many teams don't have a good quarterback, you're like, yeah, you, you kind of do have to pay Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is like the average of good quarterbacks. He's like not that good, but he's not that bad. It's like that. It's like the whole thing where people are complaining about Dak. The idea that you're going to get rid of a guy who's going to make $53 million next year. That's not possible. You, but but at the other end, it's like there's no – the likelihood of you ending up with a Brock Purdy or whoever else just coming out of nowhere and, and being a, a good starting quarterback is so unlikely. You have to deal with the, with the world the way it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's not everyone can my, have Justin Fields. Well, exactly. Exactly. Oh, God. Uh, oh, that's right. He's a, you're a Bears fan. Dude, Justin Fields, man, what he does with his feet is dynamic. Absolutely. It is, it is di- like QB power is one of my favorite plays in the NFL because you have 10 blockers. Yeah. Like that, that's what makes it so unique. Yeah, but, you saw him score on the Cowboys with it. Well, I mean, but Taysom Hill is another example of a guy who can just stay in the league from running that running that uh, QB power. But no, I mean, just, um, you know, from the concept of with my the main thing that I've learned is that like my sales guys, if they make more money than me, I'm happy because they are so important to my business. They are literally like, you know, you know, Kurt Warner's Orlando Pace, you know, having just an incredible left tackle that's going to be there for 10 years and he always does his job. Having like really good sales guys, I know no matter what happens with my business, it's going to be fine because I've got those guys. So those are the ones I pay the most attention to. Those are the ones, those are the guys I have to keep because dude, if I had to start all over again and I didn't know anything I knew now, I would start in high ticket sales. That's what I would try to do to make a living because that is a, that is one of those gigs where you're always going to have a job. You're always going to be in demand, like like nursing. You're always going to be in demand. There's always there's never enough nurses. It's that kind of thing with really high ticket salespeople. There's too many lawyers. There's too many actors. There's too many real estate agents. There's not enough salespeople. Yeah, you can see why, dude. No one wants to do. No, that. I do. I agree. It's it's it comes off as kind of boring, but you know, if you it's get good bo- at it. like it's it is boring, but like also just I I don't know. It's just. Most people don't want to be sold to. Like you got to overcome like your, you know, like. So, but what if you were kind of being a dick to people? What if you worked at a company where you believed in what you were selling and the leads came to you and they were already interested? I mean, I guess. I don't know. That's what, but how would you create that? That's what a funnel is. The funnel finds the leads that are interested. Um, We're quick to, we have what's called setters and setters are like, you know, in triage, how they say, well, this person's not going to make it. You put them over here. This person needs immediate help. This person can have help that way. Like triage. We have these guys that are called setters. The setters send the people who are not qualified. So the really, really motivated guy who lives in India or like Yucatan, who has no money to pay for the program. We give them a bunch of free stuff from like, Hey brother, come back to us in in five years when you're ready. Right. The guy who's like, Hey man, I have, you know, I have unlimited funds. I want to buy this program now. How many Don't of your customers are in India? Um, I have no customers in. <laughs> yeah, I, have, dude. I have. I have probably. I probably have twenty five Indian clients, and none of them live in India. They're Canadian. Okay, they live in. They live in Singapore. Several of them live in the UK. Several of them live in Germany. Several of them live in Dubai. But I have no Indian customers in India. I have okay. one guy who goes to India for business, but who's Indian. But other than that, almost. I don't have any like I don't have any Colombian customers who live in Colombia. I have Colombian customers who live in the United States. All right. Yeah. All my all, all of my clientele are European, um, Australian, or uh, uh, live in North America, Canada, cool. or the United States. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that I've just learned so much in the last couple of years. The other thing is the idea of selling for a lot of people it's very uncomfortable because you're asking people for money. That was always the hard part for me. Yeah, but, I don't like that. But once I got to the part where like I realized these guys wanted to do it, or when you get on the call with a guy who's like very wealthy and he's like, "Dude, don't sell me. I just want to buy the program. Tell me how the fuck how much it is, and I'm, I'm going to fucking pay it right now." Yeah. When that happens, 
then it works out. How do you make that happen? Podcast, um, YouTube channel, yeah, Instagram, TikTok. They just become, they see so much of your content that once they get on the call, they're just ready to buy. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes <clears> sense. That was, that, was the, that was another secret I learned. Um, and, and I learned this from the guys I interview on my podcast. They're the ones who, who taught me all this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I've, I can tell. You know, I've, I've, I've heard episodes with uh, other business dudes. Yeah, 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 for are, sure. That are just giving up secrets. Not, dude, Dan Fleischman paid sixty million dollars yeah. to, to social media influencers in a year, and he came on my podcast, and it didn't even get a thousand views. He is by far like, if people wanted to learn how to become ex- exceptionally wealthy very quickly, they'd watch that episode. But no one does. They want to see the episode with Amanda Nicole talking about fucking two dudes at the same time. Like that's all they care about. <laughs> you know, it's just really like people's attention span keeps them from being wealthy. And that's one of the things that I've, I've learned from, from hanging around a lot of these dudes. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you can do both folks. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, who's in the, in the top 1% in the world at Madden? You? Me. Yes. Hey, let's, uh, get those numbers certified. Yeah. I sent you the picture. Uh, yeah, did you? All right. We're I, playing Madden after this. Yeah, yeah, no. no, no. This is this is the thing. Is I always hear about this stuff, and every time we turn on the controllers, line it up. We played one time. I just look at that scoreboard. <laughs> we played one play. <laughs> I threw a, I threw a pick six at the end of the game because I this is the first time I'd play. It was Madden eighteen. Here we go. <laughs> no, he's right. He's right. It's one game, and I'm fucking all right. Well, I guess we'll see. No, we'll he's see. about to smoke me about four times right now. I might not because I don't play regs. I only play mutt, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I only play ultimate team. You uh, you said you had some questions for Jake. Um, you want to you want to learn from him? <laughs> I don't think that was a serious. Uh, I don't think that was a serious thing that he said there. No, I, mean, I, 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 I do. To, like, dude, trying by, to keep way, me like, into doing the podcast. <laughs> dude, dude, the thing with your with your with your kid and the surgery, man, that was like really moving. I'm sure you got, you've had a lot of people reach out to you about that. That was incredible that you you went through that and dealt with it so well. And then, when I was talking about not having a fourth wall, you guys are part of the reason why I'm like that because you 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 take your stories to the air. Yeah, I think for me, it was like the feedback's crazy, but I'm just going to fight through it. Um, the reason I decided to do it was because there is a sense of isolation as you get into your 30s. Like, I don't see my friends as much anymore. I don't, you know, I talk to my parents pretty regularly, but I don't know. It's not like it was 10 years ago when I'm just seeing all of my friends all of the time. And I felt like I had this resource available to me where people actually care about me without knowing me. Um, and so that's part of it is that, you know, that if you, if you share something that you're going to hear a lot of encouragement, motivation, prayers, even from people. And I've, I've gone so far on religion that people are like, Hey, don't be mad at me, but I'm going to pray for you. I'm like, dude, it's not like that. Like, I'm not, I'm not mad at you for saying you're going to pray for me. (laughs) And then the other part of it too, is just that anything, whether it was like the fertility stuff or his, uh, his condition is that you just find that. There are so many other people that are dealing with the same thing uh, that you are, even if it's a a rare thing that's one out of every 2,500 or 5,000 kids. Well, if we have a metroplex of however many people, millions of people, and a lot of them listen to this station, I'm still going to hear from 30 or 40 people that went through the exact same thing. So that was super helpful. I mean, it actually steered us when it came to which doctor we were going to use, which doctor we interviewed. So... I don't know. I guess I just kind of came to this moment where it's like, look, I put in a lot of work at this. Uh, for a lot of the time, I was severely undercompensated. Uh, so I'm going to 
derive some value from the fact that I care about this and a lot of people care about me because I care about it. And it worked out really well. I mean, I I don't even really know what it would have been like if I didn't have the station. Yeah, that that's you what know? you said before about uh, one of the, the guys uh, knowing a doctor and then getting you on the list to go see that doctor. That was a really, you know, that was a moving part because, you know, one of the things that happens, you know, I throw a bunch of charity events and I have people, they'll come to me and they'll be like, hey, I, I kind of feel douchey posting about this charity event where we're giving to charity. And my whole thing is, you know, in your, in your case, for instance, you put you talking about it publicly, your child got the help it needed. That's nothing else matters besides that. Right. And, and that, I think that's the, that's the most important part. And then the fact that everybody wanted to share and help you out now, when somebody else has to deal with the same situation that you did, you're going to like, they're going to be able to fast forward through a lot of the anxiety that they had because because you shared your story. So I think like that part is awesome. That is, there's a lot of bad parts about the internet and social media. That is one of the good parts about it. No, I was overwhelmed by, I kind of forgot about the good part. And now I even have people that, you know, there's probably half a dozen dudes that, and actually one lady that they hit me up like throughout their entire, like, for example, like IVF journey. And I feel like I know these people, you know, because they listen to me talk about it and now they add a bunch of questions for me and now they'll like email me when it's their transfer day or whatever. And it's just, it's super strange to try to explain to somebody who doesn't understand the station or it's not totally unique to the station, but any sort of thing, like you probably will experience this as well. Like people are going to tell you about their lives after going through, um, you know, what you do and you'll feel invested in it because you were a part of it. So I don't know. It was, uh, it was nice to not feel as alone as I probably would have, if I didn't have the platform and the outlet for sure. And, and then when you think about how much, you know, take, like, again, I worked at the radio station. I've been listening to it since the week it came out. Uh, you know, I worked at there back in 1994. Uh, and, and then to think that it's a sports radio station where you're talking about this and then that's what caused you to get the help that you need. Again, it's just so for other people trying to express, cause I tell my friends, you know, all the time when I, I'll, I'll play fake Jerry for them to like warm them up to the radio station. And then I try to explain to them that this thing exists that doesn't exist in anywhere else in the world. It's not like what you expect. And then when I, uh, and then when that your story is a great example of that. Yeah, I appreciate that. It was, uh, it was a, a very strange experience, but I honestly can't imagine what it would have been like doing it without yeah, of course. the position in life that I'm in. So very thankful well, of course, for sure. Of course. Yeah. I mean, just finding mentors for, for anything. I just think that's awesome. But yeah, no, going back to what I was saying before, no, I'm, I'm, even if it was, if it did feel awkward for me, it feels awkward sometimes when I ask my friends to come to an animal rescue or something like that. But in the end, the end result is the only thing that matters to me. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like to me, I don't, I wouldn't care what happened or what you share or whatever, as long as the kids get the toys, the people get the help they need, whatever. That's the only thing that really matters to me. That's just the, one of the things that I've come to come to grips with over the last couple of years. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel that. Yeah. Um, man, I, uh, I don't, hey, what do you think of Jordan Peterson? What do you think of Jordan? Peterson? So initially I was like, well, this is interesting. Some of the stuff that he's saying, but he's, he, he's lost his way very quickly and it's very confusing. If you, if I read his book because I was like, okay, I'm watching these debates and it's very interesting. The idea that he has one of the pro one of the issues that I have with Jordan Peterson is that he keeps invoking evolutionary psychology, but doesn't cite it. He keeps talking about evolutionary psychology in his books, and I keep thinking, okay, so that means he under he has a degree in evolutionary psychology. He has no no 
is nothing to do with Evo Psych whatsoever. And then that interview he did with Richard Dawkins, I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's one of the most shocking things I've ever heard. He sits there and he has one of the foremost scientists on the planet and interrupts him the entire time, does not let him speak <laughs> at all. And I'm like, dude, you are a talking head on YouTube. Congratulations. You're very wealthy from what you do. Richard Dawkins is one of the most important men who, who li who's living on this planet right now. You need to let him speak. And, it, there, and you can tell like it's a walking conversation and Richard Dawkins is trying to get away from him, like near the end of the, the, the episode. And it's one of these things where I understand where a lot of guys who are politically conservative or like having questions about masculinity start listening to, to Jordan Peterson and, and they find some sort of uh, solace in what he's saying. But then he just starts going off the deep end and starts talking about like spirituality and crying and how like these two – he was talking about isn't it funny how the two snakes interwove together look like the – the fucking, I can't remember what it looks It looks like DNA. Have you heard him talk about this before? Yeah. Jordan I think Peterson so. says when two snakes are mating and they they wind around each other, it looks like a DNA thing. And then Richard Dawkins goes, You do know that's bullshit, right? And I was like, Thank you, dude. Somebody is stepping up. What I what I don't like is when people invoke science, but it's science plus. It's science plus astrology. It's science plus plus mysticism. I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. I happen to be a Christian, but my Christian beliefs, my faith in Christianity have absolutely nothing to do with physics. I do not try to intertwine the two. So I think that that was one of the issues where I, he kind of lost it. And you'll find a lot of people agree with me. He just, he's more of a figurehead for, a, for speaking. Um, and I just didn't feel like he could keep, like he, he had a wave of popularity that he sort of lost after a while. I feel like he tailed off after a while. There's just a, you know, centered around him and, and other similar figures. There is a lot of talk in the discourse about uh, our young men being uh, lost these days. For sure. You're, you're, you're talking with those young men. What, what do you see? Well, it, whether or not, just leave my opinion out of it. Uh, thir there's, a, there's a survey that came out from the uh, general generals uh, GSS. I can't remember what the GSS stands for, but it has to do with the U.S. Census Bureau. And it was... Uh, it was 33 general social survey may, maybe something like that okay you, you one can one of you guys look it up the gss survey on it, it turned out that the between the ages of 30 and 18 28 of men had zero sexual partners in the last year and when in 2008 that number was 12 percent. so it went from 12 percent to 28 percent in two in within the course of a decade and i'm sure around now it's probably around 33 percent and so that number keeps rising and the number rises because of social media and it rises because of smartphones. There's another book about this called The Coddling in the American Mind. There's another survey that comes out where women state that 80% of men on social media apps are deemed unattractive and that the top 10% of, I'm sorry, I meant to say dating apps, 80% uh, of men on dating apps, Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge are deemed unattractive. And the top 10% of men on dating apps are getting 63% of the total right swipes. The top 20% of men on dating apps are getting 83% of the right swipes. If you look, that's not normally distributed. That's 83% yeah. for the top 20. So now if you look at it from men's perspective, the top the top 43% of women are getting 63% of the right swipes. So it's 10% for men, 43% for women. What, yeah, what's it's, it's, yeah, I mean, like, everyone's always understood that, like, uh, men have more of an expansive idea of who's an acceptable partner. Sure. Uh, yeah, so and it's just, yeah. this is just, like, that. those dynamics that have always been there are just working in a different way. But, like, it's hyper, you know, like, uh, it's taking them far past where nature previously had Correct. them. Correct. Yeah. Be because, because what would happen was high status men in a tribe would have an advantage, but now it's high status men on the planet. 
Does that make sense? Like, yeah. what I'm saying is, what I, I'll take anyone to a chicken dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a girl who I, when I was a captain at, at McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita, Kansas, there was a girl I met there named JoJo Bonsati. And JoJo was just this skinny 19 year old girl that I met. We were just friends. Like, we weren't dating or anything like that. She was blonde. I can't remember. I think she's, I can't remember if she's Sri Lankan or Filipino or I can't remember what she was. <laughs> she, anyway, she moves, she gets, she gets, she goes on a photo shoot. She ends up in some magazine in Europe. And she gets a, she ends up getting her first million followers on Instagram before she's like 21, 22. Okay. And then now she was the first girl I knew that got to 1 million. Then she got to 3 million, then 5 million. Now she has, I think 11 million followers on social media. Just some, just some little girl I met in Wichita, Kansas. She was working at Hooters in Wichita, Kansas. So now the prettiest girl in Wichita, Kansas is with me at the Maxim party in Los Angeles. Yeah. The prettiest girl in Wichita, Kansas in 1985 was going to marry the lawyer, the doctor, or the orthopedic surgeon in Wichita, Kansas. She wasn't going to go, she wasn't going to end up at Bilzerian's house, the Playboy Mansion, or uh, the Maxim party. But I've been with Judge Avonsothi to all three of these parties. So what's happened is these little, these middle class are all the Waco, Texas's, and all the Des Moines, Iowa's, all the Wichita, Kansas, the prettiest girls from those places are being sucked to these other locations and men in those locations are like, Hey, come on my yacht, uh, come to Brickle, come to Dubai, come to Los Angeles. And what it's caused is this massive mismatch in the, in the marketing scheme, whether or not men are losing it or men, I think men are men. What's happened is because of social media, a small group of men at the top have this massive advantage over other men. And so like on social media, if you just have a regular social media account as a man, you just look weird. And as a woman, if you have a regular social media account and you're pretty, celebrities message you and then you end up going on dates with them. So it's like very, that's hmm. where the, the bifurcation happens. And so I know so many average girls that have, dude, I, I, I know so. Uh, you guys don't have female celebrities hitting up you? <laughs> you have a, I thought you have that was normal. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, okay. We need, to, we need to learn TC secret. I know a bunch of dude, a bunch of girls that have hooked up with like, um, you know, I said this before. Um. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Maxi Kleba and and fucking uh, you. Know, obviously, Whoa. you know I told you about Christoph Porzingis. You know girls who have hooked up with Maxi Kleba for sure. Okay. Yeah. Noting uh, that. Yeah. Huh? I just had some suspicions. Yeah. No, I know. I know a couple of. Them. Shut. We're not doing this, TC. Okay. No, 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 we're not. Um, Stop it. Also, also, look, dude, you you saw you saw. You saw a fucking I, I sent you the video, fucking uh Christoph Sporzingis' girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sending me like like yeah. like these girls are average to pretty hot girls dating these athletes, but they're not like they're not the guys are not monogamous. They're just dating multiple of these girls. Yeah. And so, but the thing is, these guys are not these women are not being taken out of the marketplace for normal guys. And that's what's happening yeah. over and over again. And we and we talked about this before, like one of the things that's crazy to me is like the Zeke Elliott thing. I've talked to you about this. I've seen Zeke Elliott with my own eyes drunk four times in Dallas and I don't live here. Like Pat's seen him too. Like <laughs> drunk where he couldn't even stand up, dude. And on and then the other two occasions. And yeah. No, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and then and then like and then you remember before before uh training camp starts, he's in Vegas. He's at, no, but he's in Vegas for EDC getting into a physical altercation with some security guard. Yeah, and then he's happened. grabbing some girl's boob at, at Mardi Gras. And I'm like, how in the world are you guys going to pay this dude? It's so, I don't live Patrick's. in Dallas. It was two blocks that yeah. way. I don't live in Dallas and I know this guy doesn't give a fuck about football. How are you doing this? But the point is, 
because he's Zeke Elliott, you just see these women, like he has access to all these women. He doesn't have to do any work, but those women are now taken out of whatever dating. There used to be a Waco dating scene. There used to be a San Antonio dating scene. There used to be a Wichita dating scene, a Kansas City dating scene. That's all gone now. It's just one global dating scene. The number of girls that I know that have been hit up by Tyga or Drake. I was sitting next to a girl. Where, yeah, I, you know, Ty, do Tyga, there's, it's, a, it's a trope. Tyga has like a bunch of VAs that use his IG account to message hundreds of girls to come to do video, to do video shoots, quote, quote, unquote. <laughs> it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Because one of the things about these men is that their roster doesn't end. They don't have a 53-man roster. They have, an, they have a 1,000 women roster. Like, they'll never stop. And so the, that's where that's where this bifurcation happens, where there's a small number of men who have and a large number of men who have not. And that's where, because there's this group of men who just are not seen. I don't know if you saw the video I did where we were asking women, you know, what's your ideal man? And they're, they're all like six one and makes 200 grand a year. And I was like, well, how, how likely do you think you, you're gonna be able to find that guy? And they're like, oh, 15% of men, you know, 25% of men, 30% of men, it was like 0.4% of men like meet that standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 14%, for those of you who don't know, 14% of men are over six feet tall. 1% of men are six foot three. Um, you are in the top 10% of wage Is earners. Is that true? Yes. You are in the top. Congratulations, yeah, Jake. Here you go. Yeah, I know. It's big. The, the top 1% of wage earners in the United States make 450000 a year. The top 10% is $173,000 a year. Women think every dude they meet makes two hundred k. Why? Because they're going and they're doing bottle service. Maybe I do. Huh? They, I just, I just want to let them, if they're listening. If I they're do. listening. They are listening, yeah. But like that delusion has caused where there's these women who are like going for these guys that normally they wouldn't get. And also the women themselves are posting pictures on social media where they're doctored, they're using FaceApp. But by the way, when they go to these plastic surgeons, you know what they show the plastic surgeons? They show the plastic surgeons the face-apped photos of themselves. They're like, I want the plastic surgeon to make me look like I look in this face-apped photo. That's crazy. You know what FaceApp is, right? It's this, yeah, it's yeah. this Russian program. I just know about it from you. Yeah, it's, yeah. This, it's this Russian program that uses artificial intelligence to make your face more symmetrical. It just makes you better looking. So they're using face app and then they're telling the doctor, I want the, I want my face to look like the face app. So girls yeah. will snatch their waist, make their boobs look bigger using Photoshop. Then they'll go on face app. They'll change their face. They'll get a hundred thousand likes on a photo and they'll end up sleeping with you know, they'll end up sleeping with some NBA power forward and they'll, they'll be like, this is what I deserve. And so any man who does not meet this standard, I will not go out with them. And then, so now you have a bunch of men who are being ignored and a bunch of women who are delusional. And that's where this mismatch is coming from. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that some of them, probably most of them though, do like kind of fun, like, you know, for the ones that marry a power forward, hats off to them. But like, you know, it's not a, it's not ultimately a satisfying way of life and people will catch on but, to that at people, some point. But people, people, people. <laughs> people do not do things that are logical or rational. Like the like Give it enough time. People ra figure rationality out. Rationality doesn't win out. It doesn't make any sense for us to do half the things that we do. I don't I know that over time I've done a better job of figuring out what makes me happy and doing more I of think it. it and I everyone think it else takes, I know is roughly doing the I, same thing. I guess thing. maybe over a long enough period of time if you're mature enough. But in general, most people buy products because they see a celebrity endorse them. That doesn't make – from a rational standpoint, that makes no sense whatsoever. But they do it anyway. Go watch, when you watch the Super Bowl commercials, every one of those commercials will effectively cause some people to buy a product for no rational reason. 
That's what advertising is. So no, I don't think people act in a rational manner. They don't date who's rational for them. They don't date who's best for them. They don't eat what's best for them. They don't, they don't exercise the way they should. Like most people don't make rational decisions. And the thing is, no one will admit that they're the ones who don't, doesn't make rational decisions. Everyone, no one believes that their belief is a pseudoscience, but they do believe that Sagitt, they don't marry this guy because he was a Sagittarius and they were a Virgo, but they don't believe <laughs> it's a pseudoscience. Nobody believes they're the one who's crazy. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I feel like I would defend my rationality to some extent, but also I, in like the big picture, I, I would give up. The, I would, I would defend. I'm my an animal just like the other animals. I, you know, you like go. I'm, yeah. I'm fucking, you know, being pushed around from thing to thing by my rat brain the same way as my dog is. You know, I would defend my irrationality because I'm a human being. Yeah, like I cannot rationally explain my my religious beliefs, and I, but I still believe them. I do think the big response to the dynamic that you're talking about, like if anyone's listening to that and feeling despair, uh, I, I think the answer is just, you know, like uh, you're, what you're doing is like zooming out and like describing, you know, like the, the large trends of the world and yes. like the dynamics of the world. And I just think that everyone's going to have a better time if they're just like, what I'm trying to do is like, you know, like there, there's, there's millions and millions of uh, wonderful ladies out there. If you just meet one that like uh, works for you and like you guys set up your thing and like, you know, make your, uh, your little, you know, like maybe get a couple friends that like live nearby, just sort of have a little group. Just if you can all return it to like, I, f I feel despair when I think about like uh, larger systems, but like whenever it's just like I'm just trying to you know have a couple friends in my neighborhood, like uh, that that's that's the good life, and well, I, I can live that. I, I think I think you can do both. Like for instance, I, I don't mean to be more depressing, but we live in a world today where half the planet lives on one dollar a day, right? Yeah, and we have people in the United States complaining about their internet access. Like that's that's the issue. It is that. annoying when it's out. It is annoying. I I agree, but but. But, you know, the reality of the situation is there's a bunch, there's a large group of men. And this is where I was going to, you know, get to the next point. Um, you'll see women and they'll, the, a guy will be five foot six and women don't see him as a non-sexual object. They don't see him at all. That's where these like literally, <laughs> like I, I've done these these things with, cause I have. Cause he's too short. Yeah. They can't. <laughs> cause they can't see it. That's funny. He's too little guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh. I, I, I'll have girls come on, like uh, on my show I do on Thursdays, uh, Access Vegas, and they'll be like, well, you know, what do you think the average guy in the United States is? And they're like six foot two. They think <laughs> that's the average guy in the US. How, what's the average guy make? They'll say 200 grand a year. That's what they think because those are the guys that they date. And so they believe that. God and bless so them. most men, so you have this massive number of men, like I said before, they're deemed unattractive on social media, 33% men with zero sexual partners. And then you wonder why, rightly or wrongly, where Andrew Tate comes from. That's where he comes from. There's this massive number of men that no one was listening to. And while feminists may call him dangerous, and I agree with a lot of the things he said I don't agree with, the reality of the situation is the, the real question you should be asking. He's in jail now. That's first off. So since he's in jail, let's ask this, the next question. Why, why did he exist in the first place? What was happening? Is it because all men are misogynist? Or was there this massive group of men that were created because of this mismatch that I just described? And what would we do to change that mismatch? Because if we don't, Guess what happens after Andrew Tate? Another Andrew Tate. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know, man. I, yeah, it, and then extinction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I, I just I, – I'm interested in your solutions. It's it's a big, you know, the, the things – but again, I, I just – I feel like each – like in my mind, what, what each of those individual people need to do is just like – Find uh, one. Yeah, well, like find one or just like – 
I don't just have a smaller like not less ambitious, but like but wouldn't just, you have to be less ambitious? Like that's the problem, right? Pornography that we've just been discussing on the show, that sort of skews the pile. And now dudes want women that look like that and act like that. Men and then women want guys who look like Christian Grey, you know, from from Fifty Shades of Grey, right? They think or they think they have access to to Justin Timberlake or whoever. Yeah. Like that that so it's skewed because you know Dunbar's number 150 people. That's about yeah, how many people yeah. you can keep in your head. Well, the reality is that's because we lived in tribes of 150 people. We don't live in that tribe anymore. We have Instagram. We have totally. an infinite tribe. And I but I just the th you're you're wandering over to the thing. I, I I basically what I'm trying to express is like listen to that Dunbar shit. Like you, you were designed for Man, that Dunbar again, we're, shit. We're just the, fucking we're back live to in rationality. that. Like the idea that people are just going to be rational. No, there would be no McDonald's if people were rational. I love the fuck out of mcdonald's i love eating mcdonald's and i know it ra rationally i should not do that as a like i'm a 230 pound man who's 45 years old i should not be fucking eating mcdonald's right but i do anyway because it's food it's not the idea that rationality is going to win is just not likely like because here's the reason why all of our instincts come from the survival scenario every single th instinct proclivity that we have but we're not in the survival scenario you and i right now can order a pizza on our phone and order it for not that much money and then eat it and then be full for a long period of time. Our ancestors did not have that power. Our yeah. ancestors constantly lived under the threat of starvation. And so yeah. their behavior was much different than ours. And what our impulses currently were matched for that time period, but we're not in that time period. It's what Dr. David Buss calls evolutionary but if, mismatch. But if we can try and like, uh, like you, if you're just keeping in mind that all of those, like of what you were matched for and try when you can to hedge towards that rather than away from it, I think it's going to be good but, for but you. Our ancestors would have still tried to have sex with the most beautiful woman they could and the most women they could. And our female ancestors would have tried to lock down the highest status man they could, even if it, that man had been outside their tribe. So I, the, those, our ancestors were, were matched for their environment and we're not matched for the same environment. Yeah. So because of that, but here's the other thing to, to Jake's point about extinction. There's 8 billion humans on the planet and 400,000 elephants. We are the slowest, weakest mammal on the planet, right? No, other than like house cats and Yorkshire terriers. Like the, as far as art of like natural selection is concerned, even like most rats could outrun you. Like there's th these animals. Not me, bro. You could, you could catch one. Yeah. Oh yeah. But like <laughs> when you think about how strong a lion, a tiger, a bear, a hippopotamus, a rhinoceros is, these other mammals compared to us. And the fact that there are 400,000 elephants on the planet and 8 billion humans, we're far from extinction. And that's the reason why like the dumbest person who's ever lived on the planet lives today. The smartest person who's ever lived on the planet lives today. The, the, evolution there's no selection pressure it's patrick right i i it may be patrick sartain that is true um but th there is no selection pressure anymore like whereas something that would have caused you to not be able to breed like myopia is a great example but being severely nearsighted 200 years ago you would not have been a useful farmhand right you would not you would have not had the upper mobility to even get married in the first place and so there would have been selection pressure against myopia once glasses come out there is no more selection pressure against myopia anymore Right. And so that's the same situation, except it's for everything now. There's no selection pressure against anything. You can be born with diabetes, be morbidly overweight, live in a trailer park, do every single unhealthy thing that you could possibly do and still have 14 children. That's the difference now. There is no selection pressure yeah. against that. And so because of that, I don't think we have any worry of extinction. I think we're far, far away from that, from that possibility. Yeah. Well, that's, thank you for your sunny. <laughs> that's for sure. Sorry, uh, that, Sorry that's I his optimistic point. <laughs> anyway, back to what I was saying. On a on a on a macro level, I do think that there's a, a great number of people who are who 
who like the, the world is very imbalanced. Like for the, there's never been a point where more people had so much of the money. If that makes any sense. So like I, I was reading one study, one, the top 1% of people on the planet make as, have as much money as the bottom 60%, something like that planet wise. And it's the same situation where it's like the top, like men who have had sex with the most women, they equal the body counts of the bottom 55% of men. Some, some crazy number like that. That's so nice. it's an inequity of, it's not just an inequity of wealth, it's an inequity of status and inequity of access. Of, of access. Now what's the solution? For the, the solution is on a micro level. On a micro level, you just do the best you can with you know, your, your job, your family, uh, the morality that you teach, the, the work that you do, the money that you make, the way you keep yourself in shape, all the, the books that you read. On a micro level, you work on yourself. That's about all you can do. That's the way I see it. I don't really think that there's going to be some sort of self-help program that's going to pop up and just make everyone stop watching porn, stop eating bad food. And it just I, humans don't work that way. So yeah. that, that's the way I see it. I just like, no, it's like Noah's Ark, man. You just try to save the ones you can. Cool. All right. Jake, I'm sure you have a family that's uh, crying out for something right now, right? Yeah, I got some side eye, but that's okay. That was enlightening. It was a cool podcast. We appreciate it, Mike. Uh, no, where, man. you know, is there, there uh, stuff you want to tell? But like, you know, what's, uh, give me your pitch. I got what a mouse. Uh, just uh, go to, go to, you can go to Mike, Michael Sartain on Instagram and you can see that there. And if you click the link in the bio, it'll take you to my uh, website or you can just go to MOA mentoring men of action, MOA mentoring.com. Uh, it's not safe for work though. Do not open that. Do not open that at, while you're at your job. That might get you in some trouble. <laughs> That's the only thing I recommend. I also have a reading list. If you guys want to come on, there's a bunch of free stuff. We have a telegram group. I have a reading list and I also have like a bunch of Instagrams that we made for other people. I've just of the belief that, that, uh, uh, what's it? Uh, I'm of the belief that networking is an evolutionary adaptation. Like you guys have connected me to several other people, right? And I, I've used social media to connect with other people that have helped me in my life. And I think there's a lesson to be taught there. And I, because I think our ancestors did the same thing. So that's what I try to teach other people. Cool. Very nice. Thanks, man. Thanks for your time. All right, brother. Talk to you soon, I'll man. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Bye-bye. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.